Hey everyone, welcome to episode 224 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It is all three of us back together after a week off. And I don't know about you, but this week it really started to sink in that just when you think 2020 might have dished out all it can, it could, and would, and maybe it should, those of us living on the eastern seaboard of the U.S. are beginning to feel a little bit like being inside of a pinball machine of tropical depressions, storms, and hurricanes. For only the second time since the mid-1900s when storm naming became a thing, we find ourselves on the cusp of running out of traditional names in the English alphabet. Of course, we don't use Q, U, X, Y, and Z. I mean, I don't know why. So there's only a few names that could be started with either of those or any of those. But with four storms currently spinning in the Atlantic and one in the Pacific, but we're not counting that, and the Gulf, and two more as possibles forming right as we speak, we will go to the plan B of naming storms using the Greek alphabet. I did not know that. You guys, Did you, either of you know that? You guys are life, like longtime Floridians. Yeah, <laughs> I was today years old when I found out about this. The first of which, of course, would be alpha and then beta and then on down the line. But in nearly three quarters of a century of naming storms, we've only run out of names once prior. And that was in 2005, which included storms like Rita, Wilma, and of course, who could forget... Katrina. So how very 2020 of you, hurricane season. Good on you. But on a serious note, all the people in the extremely slow moving path of one of those said four storms, Hurricane Sally, meaning Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, possibly on the eastern edge, and even the panhandle of Florida could really use all of our prayers. This storm traveling at a whopping two miles per hour makes them estimate that rainfall could be upwards of 25 inches or more. I heard one report of 32 inches. That's a lot of rain when you think about it. So let's hold them up in prayer this week. All right. This week uh, was week two of our series, Simply Gospel. The first was, and second, was also by Jeff Sincomani. And if you haven't heard last week's podcast, I would encourage you to press pause now and listen before finishing up with us today as... The two are really connected. A lot of things and a lot of emotions were happening in this message, and maybe most uncomfortable was shame. No one likes it, no one wants to talk about it, and no one wants anyone else to know what they're shameful for or that they're ashamed of anything. Maybe anything they've done, something they've not done, or simply maybe haven't lived up to even their own standards. Jeff shared a quote by Brene Brown where she says, It is probably the most repelled emotion in the human body. And I, I've, I've never thought about it that way before, but she's probably right. So Jeff, just from, you know, as you prepared for this message, let's talk a little bit about shame and a little bit about, you know, what is, why is this maybe is a better question. Why is this such, such a repulsive thing to us and why don't we deal very well with it? Well, you know, as I was reading the story of Adam and Eve, it's a story that I think that's where the good news began. I think it began with God saying, even though this feels like the worst thing that could have ever happened to mankind, which it was, <laughs> yeah. there is still good news, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, I think in the garden, he comes and the very, the very first thing that they experience when they realize that bad news has overwhelmed very first thing that they they take away from that is not that oh you know they don't they don't get defensive at first they know that they feel shame it was the first thing that happens mm. 
Yeah. And they, they hide from the very person that they, you know, that they had absolutely just a minute, you know, or so ago before they had, they had gone into that, uh, that experience. They had, they had no reason to hide from God and all of a sudden shame. So I believe that the very thing that takes us away from the good news, I shouldn't say I believe, I think that this is the part, the part that makes us repel good news is the fact that we have listened to a voice within ourselves that uh, keeps us away from God and wants us to hide. Woof. It's certainly not God hiding from us. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's a tough one to deal with, right? Well, I never thought about it this way because you, you know, you you read the word shame, or if someone was ashamed, or you feel shame. But I think it's something that we just don't want to deal with enough that we just kind of brush under the carpet. Because I never just stopped and think, hey, I feel ashamed about this. Maybe I don't like it, or maybe. You know, and it's not something that happens all the time, probably a lot more in, in my past and in my current. But you just I think as overall, it's not something that I mean, like, when's the last time you talked to someone other than maybe your spouse <laughs> about something that you felt ashamed of or even something that you've done in your past? And so I think it really is a, maybe a dirty word and maybe more so to us as Christians. And I think it's seen as a really really sinister thing and, and a big weakness, like a, a big self flaw that people can see that we think people can see in others. I don't, I don't know if we can or if they can, but Jeff, you said an interest, you said something interesting. You said shame doesn't sit long before we start to put it somewhere. We either have to admit who we are and seek restoration, or we have to project it on someone or something else and discredit the source. And then when yeah. you when then when you put it yeah, that way, that happens. <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way, then it's like, oh yeah, maybe I uh, maybe I have dealt with shame, and maybe it wasn't shame like I thought it was. What is the? I mean, what is this shame that we're talking about? Like, what are the manifestations? Because I think sometimes maybe we're not even dealing with it because we're not realizing it correctly. The part that I that I have a you know you get from the story with Adam, Adam and Eve again they they go to deflecting again you know they God asks them who told you and then they go right into the idea of I got to blame somebody well that's true but Brene said it's an emotion that we don't let and we have to figure out something to do with it because we just can't live in that for too long and so we end up trying to displace it and trying to maneuver it or at least trying to call it something else or even blaming or creating and then eventually you try to you know rationalize that the source so that's not really true or i you know you discredit the person that made you feel in what your mind made you feel that way so it's a hard emotion to you know nobody wants to deal with it so we know that's for sure you know the more we've even talked about it now, there's there's not a lot of answers that just roll off your tongue because it's something that you're used to dealing with. I mean, you can pick anything else uh, or a lot of other things. You can say, you know, how do people deal with self-esteem and how do people deal with maybe lying or, you know, all of these other things that seemingly are probably the maybe the outcropping a little bit of shame for, for something. Maybe sometimes things we don't realize. So I think maybe this is just something that I've I've literally putting this sitting down today and yesterday and trying to put together coherent thoughts on this. This is something that was really difficult to try to wrap your mind around and to even 
ask questions because I'm not really sure what questions we're supposed to be asking. And then I wonder if we don't know what questions we're supposed to be asking or I mean, are, are there tools that help us do this? How do we deal with this instead of getting to that spot where we're making someone else the scapegoat? Well, and I think that's the piece that, that God tried to get Adam and Eve to understand was that you're listening to the wrong voice. It's the woman caught in adultery that, in her mind, she was shameful. It was a shameful thing that she had, you know, in her mind, had gone. And, and Jesus says, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not. I think that's the voice that God wants us to listen. It's the voice of the father who finds the son finally returning home. And puts all of those things that made him feel like he was he was back in the in the status that he had had before he left. And that's the whole point is that God is saying, don't listen to the voice that keeps you in this idea that you're shameful. He wants us to move beyond that. And I think that's part of what the, the good, the power of the good news is that we can be lifted away from that other voice. We don't have to believe that other voice. Mm, That's good. That's good, Jeff. Man, I like that. And that I think is the power of what the gospel brings to us, because the problem is not that we are, we are, you know, we're sinful humans. That is a problem. You're right. But that's a problem (laughs) that God has already taken care of. And so God's saying, please move beyond that. Please listen to my voice, not the one that you keep reminding yourself is this shameful. And that's the voice that that Satan would want us to stay in. I mean, he'd love for us to stay there because it separates us from the power of of God. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Well, and I'm glad you made that comparison back to last week. And so that's, again, why I was encouraging you. If you haven't heard last week's podcast or the message from last week, definitely check it out and put these two together. Because the next part we're going to talk about is I loved your comparison of Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 and looking at it through the lens of the older and the younger son's uh, perspectives from last week's prodigal son story. This really brings home some texts and understanding with kind of a a new twist or maybe just a different way of looking at it. It seems to land pretty strong, maybe leaving a solid impression about how we should view those things and those people who we may see as undesirables as, as the older did to the younger. And then vice versa is how the younger might see it. And if you haven't read it with this backstory in mind, I would highly encourage you to do it because... When we go through those first two chapters and you can see where the, you know, the older brother is going, "Uh uh-huh, see, nobody, here's the bad people. Yeah, they give it to them. I I loved how you said that it actually, it made me laugh when you were going through that part of it. And then you get to chapter three and it's beautiful, right? I mean, we know chapter three and the verses that you were about to read are just beautiful but when you read it with that backstory in mind, and, and if you resonate with one brother or the other, I think this will give you a different perspective. Because I know last week, I definitely found myself resonating on one side stronger than the other. But the way we talked about that message gave me a different perspective on it. And I hope it does you too. So if you missed last week's, definitely go back. But here we go. In chapter 3, this is Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 24 through 24. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. Woof! I mean, if there's anything that makes you feel good about seeing yourself through God's grace and to to make us right freely in His sight, why is it still so difficult then for us to just let ourselves off the hook with this? Even with what we just read, it would seemingly just go, whew, all right, well, we wiped that one. Let's just, you know, let's just wipe our hands clean and let's move on. But we still find ourselves pulled in. Yeah. You know, I think it's still because we have we have kept the trajectory of our journey. I, you know, I think of the journey of the older brother and the, the journey of the younger brother. They were, they're on this trajectory. They, they both understand that now that they don't want to remain in the shame, but the problem is, is that they're looking for the, for the wrong solution. And so they, you know, like the younger brother is he's only coming back because he thinks that life is no life at all. I might as well go live as a servant. And in his mind, it was just going to be self-preservation. Sure. Right. And, uh, and, and for the older brother, it was more self-gratification. Like, well, how come you're not paying attention to all the good things I've done? Yeah. And those journeys are me trying to figure out a way to get back out of this shame and be able to, in a sense, find this control again. And the way I do this is by getting myself elevated to some place where I can all of a sudden exert control over someone else or whatever. Yeah. Building alliances. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and figuring out ways in which I look better on my own, as opposed to I look better because of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And that's a very different look for someone who's been on this trajectory of trying to maintain his own way, basically. I think that's, it's a whole, pride falls into this thing in a pretty big way. Our self journey trying to escaping shame is, is because we don't want to, we don't want to really deal with it because it makes us feel like we're less than we are. Hmm. And then we start to rationalize, you know, I did all this for you, dad, you know, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) When in actuality, he's doing it for himself. I was expecting, Andy, that this is where your tried and true time honored advice of, we usually think more of ourselves than we ought. I think that's where we apply yes. this one. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I know there's someone in the back saying, man, that sounds great. Glad you guys all feel better about yourself now. But it's a slippery slope. And we start telling people that it all comes down to grace and like there's no percussions or repercussions for sin or for things that we do that would have caused us to shame in the first place, much like in the Garden of Eden. You know, like Jeff, you said, immediately they knew that from a moment earlier they had not this shame and all of a sudden it's pervasive and they can't get away from it. But we're not saying here that this is a substitute for asking for forgiveness and being and really and maybe in feeling that shame because we've done something. But we're also just going to be able to move on, ask for forgiveness and let ourselves off the hook and then apply that same to someone else. Right. Well, and and not not just letting our, ourselves off the hook, but making plans and living intentionally to say, okay, I want to live a God honoring life. Am I going to do it twenty four seven every time? Well, probably not. I'm human. Uh, <laughs> but as soon as there's a diversion on a path that is not a God pleasing life, and we have some twinge of guilt or shame. 
instead of running toward the guilt and shame, we turn around and we run back and say, okay, I messed up again, you know, and he says, well, welcome back. And we start again. If you read the, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, and God says that he is love, if you think about it in that sense, and replace, replace love with God in that reading, it gives you a picture of a, a God who wants you, is there for you, is never turns away, and you know is patient and long-suffering and never gives up, and all those things are part of, he defines himself as love, so this is part of who he is which is so not oftentimes our picture. Yeah. Yeah, and and by the way, in chapter 3, Paul does respond to that whole thing. He goes, should we continue on in our behaviors that, that, you know, that, you know, basically exaggerate God's grace, basically is what he's saying. He said, no, by all means, no. Uh, That's not the point. The point is that we are, you know, and he says, and by the way, it goes on. This is not done in chapter three, but in, you know, in six, he says, hey, the gift, the free gift, we all got it. We all get it. But it still doesn't negate the fact that this is Christ's doing, not ours. And then we get a chance to now respond with our behaviors, with our life, with our sacrificial lives, you should say, you know, as he pronounces that. We get a chance to then do this because of rather than for uh, the fact that God gives us this gift. Yeah, it, it, that's you know some really very nice gifts that may come to us with no strings attached whatsoever from the giver still have responsibilities, still have things we need to do. I mean, somebody gives you a brand new car, but you still got to put gas in it. You still have that oil change. You got to keep, you got to take care of it. You need to wax it and wash it and clean it out. And, and so those things, you're not repaying the giver for the gift. It doesn't lessen the gift. It doesn't diminish the gift. Um, and it's, you're certainly not paying anything back for the gift. I like that because it, you're right. There is something, no matter what you're given, there is something that you need to do. And sometimes we look at those things that we have to do or that there's responsibilities and we look at those as a negative when in fact, there's many good things and good responsibilities that come with this. If it means that part of my responsibility is treating people kindly and with respect and equally to all other people, or it's a responsibility to take care of the hungry and the sick and Feed the poor. I mean, are these things that we're just saying to ourselves, well, that's a whole lot of pain in the in the butt. I don't want to do this. Or are we looking at those and just saying that all these things that these responsibilities that come with this really are an honor if we truly love Jesus and we think that his life is a model to emulate and to live by and to or that makes life better for all people that would choose to walk that way, then like what's the downside? Other than that, we seem to get hung up on well, then that's just the grace, but we sometimes don't wait long enough to say, well, give us a chance for the works. We'll, we'll take the grace, of course. We'll always take the grace, but give us a chance to even, you know, to to make those mistakes and then realize that Jesus is there on the other side to pick us up. He's waiting and all right, head back to it. You know, we got work to do and and seeing it as a relationship that we both want the same things, essentially. We just, I think we just put these in the wrong order sometimes, and it gets confusing, and then we let the devil bring us down with how bad we are, and <laughs> God couldn't possibly love me. So 
I just raise, this one just seems so hard all, all the time to to apply to our lives. That's all. Yeah, raise a little, raise a little shame. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is there any good books that um, you know someone actually had contacted me. I forget which book it was from a couple. Oh, it's probably a month ago, month and a half by now. And one of the books that we recommended. They someone went and bought it. They're like, "That's the best book I ever read." Oh wow! Keep, at, keep giving us things to read. Well, that's nice. And so I can't remember which book. Yeah, I can't remember which book it was uh, that we that we suggested. So if there's anything that you've read that you think might be of assistance here, let's uh, let's put it out there. Well, it's not a spiritual book, but it's a book that um, I think can still be a, an asset on the journey. And that's of course Brene Brown's "Daring Greatly." Daring Greatly. Yeah. I would say, too, Searching for a God to Love um, mm-hmm. is a good one by Chris Blake as well. Yeah, that'd be, that's a, that'd be a good read. There's actually three books um, by David Benner. Yeah, his book called Surrender to Love. Because it, Surrender to it, Love. David Benner? David Benner. It, 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 it speaks against the whole self-reliance side of, the, of, the, of this equation. Um, Anyway, it's excellent. I think part of it right now is that with with COVID, I mean, there are still a lot of us that still aren't totally back to normal as far as work schedules. And, you know, maybe we're working from home. Maybe we're working less hours in a different role or we've been repurposed for a different position within the company until things get back to normal. So I think people may have a little bit more time than normal to read. So uh, a good book and then someone that just said, hey, give us more books. I'm like, that's a good one. Maybe we'll have to start doing that. And maybe we need to create a podcast book club or something. I'm not sure, but that, that might be something to think about. Well, really oh, quickly, just, yeah. I wanted to just give you one more while I was thinking this too. Uh, yeah. Graham Maxwell has a book called Servant or Friends. Oh, yes. I think Ser- Servants or Friends. Servants or Friends. deals with the, Graham the look, Maxwell? Servants or Friends by Graham Maxwell, yeah. And it's it's really a okay. good look at God in light of this gospel, but also in light of how we see his transformational power in our lives and how it's, you know, dealing with this whole idea of, of trying to figure out, you know, what's my role in all of this, which is good. Excellent. Oh, okay, so now we're, here, we, here we go on a book roll now, because that, that reminded me of Leslie Weatherhead's um, The Transforming <laughs> Friendship of Transforming friendship. So, uh, oh, I'll look it up. Yeah. yeah. So there'll be Amazon links if you swipe up in today's show notes. And we've got you covered for the next couple of weeks at least for reading if you'd like to go deeper into the topic. So that was awesome. That's what one, two, three, four, five books. Awesome. All right. This week, one of our whole life takeaways asked said, Paul tells us in Romans 3 that our partnership with Christ is sharing the gospel does not put us right with God, meaning that even our good intentions and good actions are not what make us righteous or saved. Only Christ does that. So what should motivate us as the underlying reason to follow Christ and make disciples? I think that's a question we all need to maybe answer for ourselves to find out what is our motivation and what is the reason that we should not only follow Christ, but try to get others to follow Christ and make them disciples as well. And for me, I guess it's pretty simple. I've lived different ways throughout my life, sometimes with God, sometimes without. And as you look back and you see those seasons in your life and you say, man, what are the best seasons of my life? 
And those are always the seasons that have contained God and my reliance on him, my relationship with him. And the really good ones typically are the ones, maybe things don't always go the best. And so I don't want to say that those seasons are always the best seasons, but the seasons where you grow, let's go maybe there would be a better one because sometimes they're tough, right? They're not always, they're not always easy. But when you really learn about yourself and you really grow with Christ, those are the seasons I'm talking about. And those are the best of my life. They've changed me for the better. They've made me a better person. They've made me a better father, friend, and husband, and just overall value to humanity. Whatever that value, I guess I would let someone else apply my value to humanity. That seems a little narcissistic to do it myself. But during those times seems to be when that have just been the best. So my motivation is even if you're not promising someone this grand life of no pain and no suffering, you're offering them a way to deal with it and to live that is better than anything else I've found. And so I would be curious, what about you? Which, you know, what's your motivation? What's your reason? Stop and think about it. See if you can put it into a one or two word sentence, one or two word sentence, one or two sentences. If you can do a one or two word sentences, I would all, please send that as well, because I'd be super interested to hear what you came up with, but send a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. If you'd like to send it by email, would love to share with everyone else what you think. All right. Our final thoughts this week are taken from the end of Jeff's message. He said, when we try to do the master's job, we end up not only devaluing what he's made each of us to be, we end up removing the beauty of what he wants for all of us in community together. That might be the most important thing we can remember as we approach any situation that needs God more than it needs us. Wait a minute. I guess that's all of them, right? Because <laughs> all of them need God more than it needs us. That's wow. Randy is profound today. And what was simply profound. Look at that. Whew. All right. Great thing to remember either way. So we have this upcoming week. Do we have one more? One more. One, this one more. Yep. Yeah. And Jeff, is it you again? No, it's Andy this week. And, it's uh, Andy this week. All right. Andy's going to wrap it up. What, what do we got this week? Well, what um, Jeff meant to say the last two weeks. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's a good, it's just just put together a really good series and done a great job with it. And and uh, this last one, we talking about um, the gift and oh, I, who knows? We'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a work in process. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. So next Tuesday evening, it's Speaking of Grace. And of course, we'll be back next Wednesday morning for episode 225. So do plan to join us. Oh, one quick thing. Denise Butler, thank you so much for our parking lot conversation last week. Uh, She shared with me. She caught me in the parking lot. We were at the church filming Sabbath school and uh, saw her outside and we, we connected for just a moment. And So I know you're listening right now on your walk. It's Wednesday morning. And so thank you for taking us along each and every Wednesday morning. And thank you so much for your kind words. I really, really appreciate them. So everyone, thanks for listening and have a great week.